Good morning. If you have uh, your Bibles with you this morning, turn to the Gospel of John. And in the Gospel of John, we'll be in chapter 19. John chapter 19. We'll start reading in verse 18 in just one moment. Um, in a seat back, I normally don't take time to do uh, announcements in a seat, not in a seat back, but in a seat close by you, you will see one of these. And uh, let me tell you about this. Uh, if you do not know this, uh, next Sunday's Easter. And so just let you know, next Sunday's Easter. And a couple of things about Easter here at River Bend. Um, we are going to be partaking in the Lord's Supper next Sunday morning as a uh, body, as a faith family, church, and I uh, want to remind you of that. But, uh, you know, you and I live in the most church state in the United States, yet every Sunday in Mississippi, at least two-thirds of your neighborhood, two-thirds of our city, two-thirds of our state is not in church. And we're the most church state in the nation. Also, you and I live in an area of this nation where it is still at this level. Eight out of every ten people that you invite to church would actually come with you. Eight out of ten. So that means this. On average, all you got to do is ask three people and you'll at least get one. You might get three. But we're going to make available, and we have made available, uh, these uh, cards, these flyers, and we would love for you to join with us in inviting people to come, not just on Easter, but for Easter and past that. So uh, if you would like to, please take one of these. They're in one of those seats, and there's also a stack on your way out. Um, you'll be able to uh, partake of that. Um, let's pray. Heavenly Father, you... God, you love us so much. Lord, you love us so much that as we will see in, in your word in just one moment as we read it, you loved us so much. God, you knew the, the trouble that we would be in. You knew the, all the junk, all the sin, all the mess that we would make of ourselves. Father, that we would sin by choice. And that, Father, because of our forefather, Adam, we would sin because of nature. So, Lord, I pray that as uh, we walk through some passages, as we see this event, the event, it, it, we celebrate it. It begins today on Palm Sunday, the whole week, Holy Week, leading up to the crucifixion, but the event that literally parted history. It was your answer that you gave to our need. Father, I pray for the men and women that are in this room, the boys and girls that are in this room. Father, may you meet with us, may you, Lord, penetrate our thick skulls and our hard hearts. God, would you make us moldable again, or moldable for the first time. Give us ears to hear, give us eyes to see as we read your scripture, as we 
see and hear the greatest story that has ever come about. And Father, might that change us as to where we might go, what we might say, what we might think this week. I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. John chapter 19, I will begin reading for us in verse number 18. And here is how John recorded the event called crucifixion. John chapter 19, verse 18. There, on Golgotha, there, they crucified him. Him and with him two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priest of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I've written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, verse 23 states, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, they divided my garments among them and for my clothing they cast Lots. So the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home, and after this, verse 28, after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth when Jesus had received the sour wine. He said, Tetelestai, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. For the past few weeks, we have found ourselves in uh, this event. We've been engrossed in this one event, the event of the cross. And we have looked at it from a number of different angles. I entitled the whole of the series Views of or Views from the Cross so that we could see different aspects and different angles of it just so you and I might grasp a little more, a little larger picture of the cross. We have looked at the history of the cross and those that 
invented crucifixion and those, i.e. the Romans who perfected it. We have looked at compassion from the cross. We looked at the reasons behind the cross last week. And so today we come to those words, it is finished. It is finished. You know, you, you and I might, people around us, they might think, you know, this was a last minute plan of God that this is what he had to do because something else, a, a, a prior plan messed up. So therefore he had, he's shuffling around up in heaven and he had to find something. So therefore he said, all right, in a pinch, Jesus, you go down. But that's not the case. Because if you were to Google or you were to go on a Bible search engine or you were to look in uh, a cross-reference for, uh, of Scripture, you just type in or you look up a couple of words. Foundation plus, do a plus sign if you're in a search engine world. You would come to a number of Scriptures that speak of the cross in these terms. So I'm not going to go through every one of them this morning, but two points for us to understand this view of the cross. The first is this, the words of old come true through one. The words of old come true through one person, through one. You can flip through or you can write these verses down. They'll be on the screen as I read through them this morning. But here is the first passage. And it's actually the first couple are in the New Testament. But they refer back to Old Testament Scripture. And they also refer back to the foundation of the world. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 3 and Hebrews chapter 9 verses 26 through 28 state this. For we who have believed... Enter that rest, as he said. And this quotation is from Psalm 95. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works, God's works, Christ's works, were finished from the foundation of the world. The author of Hebrews goes on to describe that in in chapter 9, verse 26. For then... He would have had to suffer repeatedly. Jesus would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, Jesus has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Verse 27, and just as it is appointed for man to die once and after that comes judgment. So Christ, having been offered up once... To bear the sins of many will appear a second time. Not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Matthew recorded it this way in Matthew chapter 13 and also Matthew chapter 25. He says this in verse 35 of chapter 13. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables and I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Then the king, in chapter 25, then the king will say to those on his right, Come, 
you who are blessed by my Father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Brian, that's well and good. That is well and good that you find verses that speak of the foundation of the world. Well, let's go back to the beginning. For just a moment, let's just go back to the beginning and let's see what got us in this predicament. Because in Genesis chapter 3, we see a couple of things in Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, verse number 15, it is just a glaring, emphasized event of the coming of Christ. And here is what God said to Eve. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. I, God, I will put enmity between you... Eve and the woman, excuse me, between you, the serpent, and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And so there we see that uh, God says to the serpent, he says, hey, here's what's going to happen. Here's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, there's going to be enmity, enmity, man. All right, we're already going to have a section where we're going to have to talk back to each other. So let's try to get enmity down. One, two, three, y'all say enmity. enmity. All right, y'all did good. That's good. We've got two more words that we're going to have uh, congregation participation this morning. And uh, y'all did good the first one. Look forward to the next two. Enmity. Thank you. I'll go to uh, grammar class and try to pronounce, pronounce that better. Verse 21 says this, and the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins of animals and clothed them. Why did they need clothing? Well, they needed clothing because they sinned. They had clothing and they tried to clothe themselves with fig leaves but they needed permanent clothes and it is the skins of animals that God gave and it is alluded to there and it's spoken of emphatically in Leviticus and in Numbers that of this burnt offering. Leviticus chapter 17 verse 11 and verse 14 states this for the life of the flesh is in the blood and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls for it is the blood that makes atonement by the life and for the life verse 14 starts for the life of every creature is its blood its blood is its life if you bleed, and you, you cut yourself, and you bleed, and you cannot get it stopped, and you bleed, and you bleed, and you bleed. You will die. Why? Because if you don't have blood, you don't have life. What was spoken of in Genesis chapter 3, God killed animals, skinned those animals, and provided clothing, provided protection for Adam and for Eve. 
Isaiah 52 is a long, uh, the beginning of a long passage that has Isaiah 52 and it also has Isaiah 53. We know it as the suffering servant passage. Let me read for us a few verses from that. In Isaiah chapter 52, starting in verse 13, as I read these verses, picture Jesus. Not Jesus how you and I might like to picture him, sitting on the side of the Sea of Galilee, talking to his disciples, no, nor is he in Jerusalem and he's in the upper room here, no, this is Jesus on the cross. Isaiah 52 verse 13 states this, Behold my servant, he shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up. He shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you. His appearance, Jesus' appearance was so marred beyond human resemblance. And his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them, they see. And that which they have not heard, they understand. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. So what's that saying? That's saying that there was nothing special about Jesus as he was growing up from childhood to manhood. There was nothing that you would distinguish him from anybody else from. But then he goes back in verse 3 and he says, He was despised. He was rejected by men. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has uh, borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions and He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. And all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that is before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people, and they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man and with a rich man in his death although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth yet 
it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. He shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet, he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. That was a a lot, I understand. That was... Uh, a lot of verses and a lot of jumping and a lot of things. So quickly, let me just draw our attention to a couple of things as we see these words of old that they come true only through one person and that person being Jesus Christ. The words of Isaiah chapter 53 verse 6 and the and chapter 53, verse 10, I I want them to sink in for you and sink in for me today. Because you're in those verses, and so am I, and so is Christ. Think about your last week. Think about last month. Think about just from the start of January to now. All the words, all the actions, all the attitudes that have come from you, in you, out of you. Do they not resonate with this verse, verse number 6? All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned. Every one of us have turned his own way. God knew that. He knew that the start of 2015 to right now, March 29th, 2015, He knew that there were going to be some days where you did 180 degrees and you not only just turned from Him, but you ran from Him. You you got in your automobile and went down the interstate from Him as fast as you possibly could. He, He knew that. But in knowing that, he also knew verse 10. It was the will of the Lord. The will of the Lord to crush him. It was the will of the Lord to crush his son. To crush Jesus Christ. It was God the Father's will for it to come about. When was it his will? It was His will before the foundation of the world. He knew that your 2015 was going to be absolutely terrible. He knew that 2014 was going to be bad. He knew possibly, because we don't know, that 2016 is going to be terrible. He knew that. And He knew that you, sir, you, ma'am, were going to be enemies against Him. Yet He, in His will, said, I'm going to crush my son for your sin. Brian, you are sorry, no good. You 
terrible. You deserve death. But I'm going to crush my son for you. So that you might live. Jesus was crushed because God willed it. Sure, the physical agony that we looked at somewhat the last couple of weeks, the physical agony going through the beatings that he took, the the fist, the slaps, the embarrassment, sure, those things took their toll, yes, even physically killed him, but the weight of the event, was not that of crucifixion. I mean, there were guys that went through that. Men, women alike. They didn't normally crucify women, but there are histories of that coming about. But the weight of this event was not that he was physically killed at crucifixion. The weight of this event was that he took on your sin. Even worse, he became your sin. That thought, yep, that one plus the multiplied others that you're not thinking at right now, but that thought, he became. Those words, that word, those words of hate, those words of anger, those words of cursing, yep, he became those. Those actions, you know those. Those actions of defiance against your maker. Those actions of anger. He became sin so that you and I might become righteous. So that you and I had an opportunity to be reconciled, to be made right, to be placed back on the same solid ground in a relationship with Him. He became your sin and He became my sin. You did not deserve it. You deserve death. Everybody say death. One, two, three. Yeah. Oh, we can do better than that. I mean, that's, that's a bad word. I know. It's, oh, it's so terrible. But that's what we deserve. We deserved what? Yeah. But he gave us life. Say life. 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 He gave us life. How did he give us life? By dying in your place. For most of us here, probably. Most of us here, we, we've, we've heard that since we were this high. For most of us here, we have heard, we have colored the pictures in the coloring books. At, on Sunday, back in the back, I'm sure they're going to bring you one. If you have a kid back there, they're going to bring you something that they colored, and it's going to look something like this. I didn't even look at it, but it's going to have a cross on it, and it's going to be colored outside the lines. Why? Because that is what took place. But understand this, don't let the familiarity of the event lull you to sleep because the familiarity of the event needs to draw you in and impress it on your life and on my life so that 365 days in this year and years to come as the Lord wills it will change you and change me the words of old The words of old come true only through one. His name is Jesus. But not only that, we see second point this morning is that the works of one. 
they're done for all. The works of one are done for all. John chapter 19, as we read earlier, it records the event, the crucifixion that took place. And John chapter 19, verse 26, down through verse 28, as we have looked, it states about this death, 28 through 30, excuse me, it states this death. And after this, Jesus, knowing that all was finished, he said, I thirst. And then after he said, I thirst, and they gave him some sour wine, he said this. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. You and I cannot comprehend. We really cannot comprehend because none of us have ever, and I pray that none of us ever will, go through and be at this moment in the death process that Jesus was when he said, I thirst, and he said, it is finished. The great pulpiteer and pastor of yesteryear, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, stated it this way, He said, my brethren, I would have you attentively observe the singular clearness, power, and quickness of the Savior's mind in the last agonies of death. When pains and groans attend the last hour, they frequently have the effect of discomposing the mind so that it is not possible for the dying man to collect his thoughts or having collected them, to utter them so that they can be understood by others. In no case, in no case, could we expect a remarkable exercise of memory or a profound judgment upon deep subjects from an expiring man. But, but, the Redeemer's last acts were full of wisdom and prudence, although his sufferings were beyond all measure excruciating. For some six hours he hung on this cross after already being one lash away from death. For six hours he hung on this cross remembering 330 plus prophecies of his coming, of his life, and of his death. For six hours he hung on this cross, physically dying, yet mentally he was speaking words of salvation, words of compassion, words of truth to bring to fulfillment every aspect of God's will. Jesus was clear in focus and wisdom as the end was near. He comes to this end and he says one word in Greek. It's three words in English how it is defined but the word is to telestai. It's finished. The payment for your sin 
is finished. The payment for my sin is finished. The, the way for you to go to heaven, the way for you to have a right relationship with the Father is finished. Think for just a moment. Uh, you're at work and the boss comes up, your boss comes up to you and you begin to speak with him or her about this project that they have given you weeks ago and you have finished it and he's coming, she's coming to report in, to report on that. And they say to you, great job, great job. You, you, you did what we asked you to do. That project is finished. Kids, a couple of weeks ago, I was at Oak Grove Elementary. We go there on Thursday afternoons, and uh, there's Beach Club. It's a Bible club. And uh, every kid, I, I think every kid, had this poster board. And it's, uh, the center was cut out. And I was talking to this young lady, and she was so proud, so proud. And um, I said, what in the world is that? I see poster boards there. W what is it? And so she stuck her head through it, and started telling me her project. And I don't know what grade she got on it, but she was just happy on twofold. One, about the project, and two, that she didn't have to carry that poster board anywhere again. But she was happy. Oh, it's finished. Jesus Christ looks up to his father. His last words before he dies. His last words are spoken with eyes lifted up, clarity of mind. Father, I remember back in eternity past when we came up with this plan. Father, I remember volunteering for this. Father, I remember coming into this world as a baby and living this life. I remember all these things, Father. And I remember all the prophecies of this coming and of this life. Father, I've been faithful. It is. God the Father told Jesus that he was proud of him at the beginning of his ministry. He told him and he told everybody that was there and he told you and me because it's recorded for us in his word. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus cries out to his father. As he breathes his last, the pain of separation is there because he became sin for you and me that we might be his righteousness. The pain of the whip, the pain of the slaps, the pain of the insults, the nails, the embarrassment, the spit, the looks, the fist, the ridicule, the weight, the job is finished. And it was finished so that you and I might live our lives.
today. And I get it because I, I do the same thing. So often, my attention, my focus is on bills and groceries. My focus is on the house. My focus is on jeans. My focus is on basketball games. My focus is on life. Responsibilities that I have to have because of my job, because of my relationship with my wife, because of my relationship with my kids, my relationship with friends. I, I understand that. And I'm not saying to shuck all of that. But I'm saying let's bring it into proper focus. You and I are here to praise Him. You and I are here to praise Him at the job site. You and I are here to praise Him at our house. You and I are here because He is worthy and because of what He has done. If you do not know Him, He loves you. He loves you so much that He died for you. If you do know Him, and maybe you're far from Him because of decisions, because of circumstances, because of thoughts, words, actions, He says, come back. You're mine. I loved you. I loved you this much that I paid for your sin. So that you might be like me. Righteous. For all eternity. Come back. It's not too late. Come back. If you have never come to him. He says come today. We're coming to a time of invitation, a time of decision, and it is for you. It is for nobody else in this building. It is for you, just as it is for me. A a time of decision, a time of invitation from our God to come to Him. If you have never accepted Him as Savior and Lord, Why? Why? What else does he have to do? What else could he do? He has done everything for you. And the invitation is there for you. Surrender your life to him. Allow him to make the decisions for today and the decisions for tomorrow. And for those of us that know him, whether we're close to Him at the moment or we're far from Him at the moment, here is what your Father says to you. And He says to me, and He woke me up early this morning and I had to write an email to a gentleman and to a, a team because of a, one statement that I said, it's, He's just been wearing me out and I did not want to write that email, I'll tell you. But I was in Clinton... Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, looking at uh, nine different uh, church planners and for the state, and 
my statement, you might think, and maybe they thought that it was really nothing, but my attitude behind the statement is really what God was wearing me out at. You can either get green, yellow, orange, or red. Yellow and orange, you had to have multiple things that had to take place before we would agree that you would be a church planner. Red means you, really, you don't want to be a church, you know, you're not going to be a church planner. But green was, yeah, you can go church, go plant a church. We are right there with you. We've got some training for you. Yes. And here was my statement. I'm not giving anybody a green. Everybody's got something that they have to go through. I said it with a smile. I said it halfway joking. But what was behind that? There was this attitude of, of pride and of jealousy, and God just wore me out. Wore me out for two and a half days. So this morning I wrote the gentleman an email, asked him to call me if needed. Well, maybe that's where you are. You're, I mean, he is, there is sin and he is calling you and he's calling me back to himself. For every single one of us, find ourselves in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6. For all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Heavenly Father, I bow before you. Father, I ask that as uh, this time of invitation comes, Father, we would not expect it for somebody else. But Lord, it's for us. Father, that you would work in us to get across to me, get across to us how much you love us. The height and the depth, the width that you went. For every single boy, every single girl, for every single lady, for every single gentleman to come to. May they see that. May I see that like a six-lane interstate. May we come back to you right now as we stand and as we sing. Father, would you work in Christ's name? Amen.